You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Very special episode for today. I'm speaking to Esme Brown, and Esme is, she's really fascinating. I was trying to think of the right term. She's a very fascinating young woman. She is a writer, and she's been through a lot. And we talk about some of the stuff that she's been through, so I should say that there's kind of some sensitive material discussed in this episode, if you're kind of sensitive to that, but it's, it's real. And again, when I think about why I created this podcast and why it's important to me, it's to facilitate these difficult discussions that frankly don't come up in small talk, dinner party conversation. We have to have a space for that. It's essential. And I think that it's so brave of people to tell their story and to not kind of edit out the difficult parts and just kind of skip to the highlights. And Esme's got a story to tell. But she's also, she's gorgeous. She's covered in tattoos, but she has this very kind of classic beauty look. And all of her tattoos have a meaning. So in the episode, we kind of talk about what each of them mean. She has this really great Basquiat tattoo. And she actually has a kind of interesting relationship with Basquiat. I guess not her directly, because of course she was not even born yet when Basquiat was alive and at the height of his career. But her father had a close relationship with him and Basquiat would come over in the middle of the night and kind of look to him for advice and guidance and talk to him about his work. She has a complicated relationship with her father who dealt with um, mental illness and substance abuse. I kind of feel uncomfortable talking about it because I feel like it's really her story to tell. Um, And he passed away. He uh, addresses it in this episode, but just, I think vulnerability is such a beautiful trait in people. She's overcome a lot. You know, you see a beautiful person. Esme is a gorgeous kind of bubbly blonde. And I'd say that most people probably look at her and assume that she hasn't gone through anything in her life, but she's overcome a lot to become the woman she is today. Esme is currently working on a selection of essays and poems, which I am so looking forward to reading when they come out. But Esme actually sent me um, one of her poems. She handwrites everything, but she she sent me this one um, that I'll read, and it's called Chaperones. I took a car home tonight from the other side of the water. My driver was soft, purring. What do you do? I write, I said. What do you write? Poetry, I said. But now a book, because you can tell moments in poetry, but not a whole story. I was wrong. You can tell more of a story in a poem than you ever can with prose. What's your book about? Drug abuse and mental illness. Nonfiction. Autobiographical, if you will. I grew up with a family member who suffered from both. Authors write mostly about what pulls their heartstrings, about what they know. It's personal, he said. Catharsis. I trailed off. The air was cold on my face as I cracked the window, speeding over the bridge, I thought. I wonder if he knows that my book is about me. I am sitting here with Esme Brown, and it's, it's another Spence girl because I just talked to Hannah, so I feel like I'm just like dipping into the Spence well. Um, you live full-time in L.A. now, mm-hmm. and I think the last time I saw you was in L.A. Yeah, 
at Soho House just randomly. Yes, that sounds about right. <laughs> and you said you've been living in LA for eight years. I've been living in LA for eight years. Actually, weirdly enough, um, someone recently asked me and I was like, oh, four. And my mom was like eight. And I was like, oh my God. Like, has it really been eight years? Which just makes me feel so old. I'm like, I'm getting oh my graduated. Gosh, stop. Like, How old are you? Just turned 27. Oh my gosh, you're so old. Which I'm really, I actually think 27 is like the chicest age. I'm very excited a good about age. it. Because I feel like I can now say I'm in my late 20s. Exactly. And it's sexy. Exactly. What's been most noticeable to you in terms of New York? I mean, you're a New Yorker. You grew up here. You've been here your whole life. And then now you're in LA, West Coast. Very different. What do you think the biggest difference is between New York and LA? Fame and finance. Interesting. So I would say, well, fame is a beast there that can't be tamed. And very often, um, you know, you even see, I even see friends of mine who have gotten into this sort of media world where they have a relationship with their phone Mm. and it's, it's very much more out there and everyone moves there for, you know, opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I just coming from a place where finances are much more important, you know, this is a poor example, but in a club in New York, the guy getting the most attention is probably the one who spent the most on the table versus in LA, the guy getting the most attention is probably broke, but probably <laughs> sold someone's sex tape. You know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't matter if it's negative or positive. Right. Fame is the beast that cannot That's be the currency. Tamed. That's and it's, interesting. And it's all over. I don't know if I could do, like, I don't, I feel like it would get to me. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I moved there because I needed a change after high school and I wanted to go to Europe, but my father grew up in LA, so it was always a second home for me. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed pretty easy. And, you know, one thing I have to say is the standard of living is incredibly different. I I remember, you know, in high school, I think I, I was spending so much just to get to and from high school. It's like the expense of New York is so wild. And so every time I've wanted to move back, I'm like, oh, but I'm giving up all my space. Like I yeah. have such space there. And it's, yeah. that's so important to me because I'm, I'm like a home buddy. So like space and aesthetics is something I like need to be around at all times. Totally understand that. One thing that we have in common, two things, we both love to cook and we both love Pilates. And you were like always like on the reformer making these great videos. I'm obsessed do you have a reformer at home or are you going to a studio to do that? So I found this amazing, I never worked out outside of the house. Like I had gym memberships for years and I just am not, I hate working. Yeah. I fucking hate it. So besides playing tennis, I had maybe trainers come to the house once in a while. And eventually I saw online um, via Instagram, I saw a few of my friends working out with this woman um, her name's Betsy Parker, Parker Pilates on, on Instagram. She's just amazing. Okay. And she created a studio in her garage and it's just so warm and welcoming. And like, it really is like, it's like Pilates meets therapy session. Like, you know, <laughs> she's just like the most fun yes. woman in her sixties and just, she's seen it all. Yeah. And it's like, just great. And honestly, when I moved out to LA a few years ago, I put on 40 pounds um, very quickly. Really? I was sober and I wasn't, I didn't know how to navigate also the change your body goes through as a woman at around 22, where it's like, you do start to put weight in different areas, but it was just so, I just lost control and it's been years for me to get it off and I still am working on it, but like, I've just become so, it's just the best feeling ever. Yeah. Cause I also have like back problems. I just think Pilates, like yoga, is too slow for me. I don't me like too. cardio. It like kills me. But Pilates is just like every time I leave, I feel balanced, Same. stronger. It's just such a great workout. Yeah. And I love that you get to work on your posture because that's Everything. such an important thing. Yeah. Well, she has like, she's had some big basketball players, for instance, recently mm-hmm. um, come to work out with her. And all of them were like, we've never worked out like this in our life. Because it isolates such, like, people don't realize how isolated you get, like, muscle-wise and bodies. Like, you really are covering parts that you would normally never cover. Yeah. It's really, I love it. I yeah. love it. I have to, I was never that person that said I love working out, and I fucking so love working <laughs> How many times a week do you go? I try to go, like, three or four. Oh, that's really She has good. a very busy schedule, but... She's five minutes away from me and tries to squeeze me in. That's really good. That's great. And so 
so you mentioned that you, you, so you got sober around 22. I got, I went out to LA. I went to rehab. I got sober at 19. Oh, 19. Okay. And there was, um, and what did you go to rehab for? I went to rehab for, I think a bunch of different reasons. I was coping with, um, undiagnosed PTSD Mm. and, um, I, I, you know, I really just kind of fell off the map. My last years of high school, I did not do well. I was very unhappy. Um, I was a bad user. And, you know, I do believe in addiction. Um, I believe some people really can't touch substances, and I totally understand that. But there's also a level that's slightly below addiction, which is just an abuser, and that I think is really about coping skills. And it did take me a few times and it took me, I went back twice to rehab to figure it out. And once I got really to the root of sort of dealing with trauma and stuff, I now, I now find no need to cope with substances. And I'm, I'm careful, you know, at the same time, I'm careful. If I'm having a bad night, I don't drink, you know, versus Mm. it's like, cause I just know myself. That's just not, if it's coping for me, it's not a good idea. But if it's celebratory or with friends, I haven't really had a problem in years. And I'm just like, I'm so grateful for it. Rehab's really great because they're, they're filled with, with really people who've been everywhere. And, and it's like, I don't know. I just really had some huge breakthroughs there. And I really, I mean, I'm like a huge therapy pusher. I think everyone really? should really do it at some point. I've never been to therapy. Well, I've been recently going to this therapist a hypnotherapist. Oh, wow. What are you trying to get hypnotized about? So this is, I'm just going to go full honest on this one. Please. I'm a very honest person. That's what this show's all about. So um, I had a cutting problem for years. Okay. Very bad. And it became to the point that it was an addiction. Okay. Um, And about a year ago, I was very concerned that it was getting really out of hand. And I think when you're younger and you have that sort of problem, it's, it might be an attention thing and it's hard to grasp and people don't Mm -hmm. like to talk about it. Um, And so I went, sorry if this is too personal, but do you mind if if I ask, I have two questions. One, what the PTSD was around. Mm -hmm. And then two, when you say you were cutting yourself, do you mean like actually taking like a blade and like cutting your arms or... I was definitely taking a blade and cutting my arms. I've cut my face. I mean, I've cut a lot of... And to get back to your first question, the PTSD, I would say, you know, the thing about PTSD, which is very often overlooked, is that it's not something you have to get if you go to war or Mm -hmm. something. Two children can be in the same exact car crash, and one can get it and one might not. Right. And what it is is... In, in the most simplest term is we are all able to access memories, whether they're sad or happy. And if you have PTSD, what happens is those memories can access you. So mm. instead of being able to control a sad memory, it comes to my mind and I can't make it leave. And it, it consumes starts to you. Loop and it starts to loop. And of course, people have it much worse than I do. I don't have I don't get startled. I haven't been in war, but it was really important to get that diagnosis because it put a lot of things into perspective that I had been, you know, Mm -hmm. I thought I had depression for years and it was really something else. And, um, what it comes from is, well, my father passed when I was 15. Yeah. I remember that. And he, um, he and I had a very complex relationship. He was very, um, he was like a tyrant in many ways. He was incredibly smart. One of those people who, he was a Marshall scholar and, you know, just really across the board brilliant. But I think sometimes when people are really brilliant, it like torments them to, you know, there's certain things. I believe that people who are immensely talented are always missing something in some department. You know, you're using 10% of your brain. If you're going to use it on 9% on music, Michael Jackson, then 1% might not be great social skills. You know what I mean? It's like you can't, it all. Yeah. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. And so my father was just, I wouldn't say he was unfit to be a father, but he was definitely a a serious ride. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so did you guys have a difficult relationship up until the point that he passed? No, I mean, I was living with him. I, I think at that time I was very like fearful of what was going on, but also my father had been sick my whole life. So I was very aware mm. of it, but there were definitely, you know, a lot of unresolved issues and I turned to drugs and handled them poorly. And that just basically increased, I think any sort of 
blockage I'd had right. with trauma because I just didn't wouldn't want to deal with yeah. it. And, and you so were only by the fifteen. T- yeah, and by the time I had gone to rehab and all this stuff, that's more trauma on top of trauma. <laughs> right. Until you got it all out, you know? Right, right. And so, 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 so you're 15, you're going through all of this. What were you using? Like, how did you even know how to, like... So I started, this is so wild. I'm a huge stoner, just so everyone but you're like knows. A, you're like a I'm chic a, stoner. I follow I you on Instagram. I smoke from 5.30 a.m. on, but I'm also a writer. And for me, it's like, for me, it's literally breathing. I have high anxiety yeah. levels. Like, I can't function. Um but no, before way before I even tried marijuana, I I was stealing my father's oxycontin. Oh wow! And I didn't know what it was. I thought it was something very minor, and I was like fourteen, and you know, just from there things picked up. I mean, you know, we grew up in a really fast paced city, and and people aren't sheltered. And one thing I'll say I'm grateful for is actually in LA, I find that a lot of the kids although they don't think they were sheltered, were very sheltered. And I I can only actually credit that to the fact that we have a transportation system in New York in which our parents don't have to drive us places. Yes. And it's like, you know, at 13, I could say, I'm going to Kelly's house. Yeah. But my mom had no idea where oh I gosh. was going. Yeah. But everyone in LA, until they're 16, they get a car, you're dropped off and picked up. This is right. before Uber, you know? So it was just different. I am... Um, yeah, I, I think that it was... I, I'm grateful that I wasn't sheltered as much. But, you know, as those things happened, right. it, was, it was very um, very easy uh, and it took quickly to, to spiral those sort yeah. of needs for coping and uh, spiral out of... Yeah, it was very easy for me. So it was mostly just kind of like prescription pills. Prescription pills, okay. which, like I said, now, um, you know, I take... I take Xanax every day with one of my medications. These are all things that I used to really have a problem mm-hmm. with. And it's like, I'm so lucky that I don't feel any need, which is why I just hope there are people out there who have hope that they might not be addicts. And a lot yeah. of people are very pressured into thinking that they are addicts, right. especially when they go through these programs. And in reality, a lot of people just need to learn better coping skills. Yeah. I'm a full believer in addiction. However, I do think a lot of people out there who think they are addicts are really, they didn't cope with their problems and they were abusers. Right. I have never, I've had bad times in my life and I have really appeared like an addict. I mean, I acted like an addict, but I do really think it was abusers. And that's the thing. It's like a lot of people, I get it. They don't want to face their demons. Right. So it's better to just stay sober. But you know what? In the end of the day, your demons will always come knocking on your door. Right. You know, that's not something you can get away from. Yeah. You can't hide from it. It's interesting that you bring up this thing about gaining weight when you got sober. I mean, you're absolutely gorgeous now. When I think about what you're like, the toll that drugs take on your physical appearance, I would imagine that getting sober would make you look a lot better. But I also understand, and I don't know what the effect is of like uh, opiates on your appetite, but like, I don't know if it suppresses your appetite I, or. Yeah. I mean, I think it didn't, you know, years, I mean, by the time I went to rehab, I mean, it was cocaine, but I think it was mostly, I've always loved food. I'm, yeah. Seriously. I could eat, eat carbs every day. I love cooking. Um, I have very little control over portions and that's Me always too. been a problem. That's my problem as well. It's just like, and I also get I have such high anxiety that I kid you not, I'll order ravioli at a, at a restaurant and, you know, a really fancy restaurant gives you the rudest portion. It's yeah. like <laughs> four pieces, literally four pieces. And I'll look at it. And before I even start eating to know if I'll fill up, I'll start panicking that it's not enough. Oh my gosh. Like I am an inner fat girl, you know, <laughs> like it's, Do you think there. it's, it's so interesting. I told my husband that I think I have this and he thought that I was being dramatic, but I was like, Food this addiction. is <laughs> well, um, binge eating disorder. Yeah. I, so where you just I can't stop. It has nothing to do with how full you are. Like, I'll just keep going. There will be nights. I w- See, I want to get to a point in which working out and stuff, like my main goal was to get to a point in which I could enjoy a pasta on a night without feeling like I was cheating myself. Yes. And just kind of like, yes. you know, I remember being, I used to eat a ton as a high schooler, but I just was a string bean, you know, it was yeah. a total oh string yeah. bean. You were always so scared. Such a string bean. Now I'm a natural G. I mean, yeah. like we just, Oh my gosh, wait, out. your boobs are real? A real G. Oh my God. Peter, Carrie, my best friend and I weighed them. They're five pounds each. Oh my God. I mean, but you're horrendous. so slim. Um, I mean, you have, 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. On it. That's but, amazing. I wish um, I had big boobs. The, no, I, they are the biggest headache. They are the biggest no, headache. No, stop I have it. To buy Girls with dresses. a full chest say that. But. No, but fashion tits are the way to go because every dress I get, I have to get two sizes bigger and then, and take then it I have in. to take it in. Like there's nothing Good that, problem to have. Good problem to have. Problem. Yeah, like I have to take in the waist because my Oh, shoes. yeah, exactly. Okay, it's a good fine, problem to fine, have. Fine, fine. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, but yeah, no, I have a problem where at least, you know, even if I'm eating well all week, come Sunday, it's like cheat day. But cheat day for me is like once I order pizza, yeah, it's just a then spiral. I order two pastas, yeah. then in an hour I order diner food, and I'll oh, wow. by the end of the day have eaten like so much I feel ill and I'm like what's wrong with me no it's so funny I mean I was just talking about this I think it's such a real thing it doesn't happen to me often and also the thing that I noticed is it's not necessarily about unhealthy food I can do it with healthy food yeah and it's just like I'm I'm already full but I just have this like compulsion to eat and it's really I actually want to figure out how to maybe it's something I can go to hypnotherapy for well hypnotherapy has honestly changed my life I used to really not take to it but as long as you believe in it it really works and of course when you're under hypnosis you would assume that it's a very weird thing you're totally aware you can absolutely get up and sit up during the meeting and be like I'm done you can snap yourself out of it but if you allow it to go through it really works Okay, so what I want to know is, so you're okay. So you're 22 and you've gained weight because you're now sober. Right. How have you? Because I've, I feel like for the most part in my life, I've been plus or minus like five, maybe let's say seven pounds my whole life, right? Or it's like since I can remember buying clothes and stuff. So I've, how different did you? How much weight did you gain, and how well, different did you feel? So. I gained, I started gaining, and I have to say also at 22, I think my body was changing in the sense that I have always, I've always been a 25 waist, but I could feel my ass was getting really bigger, but also I, my boobs were getting bigger and I just think my body was naturally changing. So like the weight that I put on, I've only tried to take off half of it because realistic, I don't want to look like I'm 19 anymore, you know? Um, But no, I started to gain weight and I could notice it. And I think at that age too, when you're gaining weight, it's very obvious. It was it was all in my tummy. Like it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hide it. And I just think it became. I had nothing else going. Like I didn't have a job. I was just out of rehab. I was so used to like relying on other things as vices, and mm-hmm. food just became because I loved the cooking. Thing, it just became yeah, a thing. Good, and yeah. what I do regret the most, which I'll never let happen again, is seeing that first ten pounds come on and panicking but not not addressing it right and so eventually it was like 40 pounds and I went up a few sizes and I did you buy new clothes I bought a lot of new clothes which I'm so happy I'm now like going through my closet and like getting rid of them and my mom shipped me out some stuff from New York from like high school and I was like wow I feel like I'm shopping (laughs) in my old closet that must be nice it's so nice but um but more, yeah, more than the clothes, I think it was really just, uh, it sounds very arrogant. I had never been someone scared to be in a bikini, right. you know? And um, another thing is cellulite, genetically. I'm so happy to be talking about this, the female <laughs> right now. So that's genetic. Yeah. Can't get rid of yeah, it. It's nothing, just, and I hate, you, there's nothing I hate you can that do. they try to make it seem like you can't. Like, no, you can't. It's just bullshit. And it's like tools. And, and people saying, like, sure, it might help a little, but like if you have cellulite, bit. you have cellulite. So for me, it's not like, oh, you know, if you've a lot, it's worse than a little. You have it, you have it. And so coming to terms with that as an adult has been pretty wild. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God. But no, I think. I think the biggest thing with my weight was that there were four years I did not wear a bikini, even wow. in front of like my boyfriend. And it wow. was just like, I would avoid pool parties and it was just like making me miserable. I was yeah. really like, I couldn't accept it because I hadn't, maybe if I had been heavier since I was 14, I would have been able to accept it. But because it was so soon and also in a point in my life where I'm like, I should feel on top of the world right now. Right. Uh, it was a source of great insecurity for a very yeah. long time. But luckily... Like I said, I'm, I'm, I've gotten it a lot off now. And also as I went from 22 to 26, my body did start to curve out mm-hmm. and change and become more womanly. Mm-hmm. And I saw that weight would disperse and that, that mm-hmm. 40 pounds, like 20 pounds of it was probably coming my way anyway. Sure. You know? Sure. But it definitely feels great to work out because I'm, 
I finally feel like I'm, you know, taking control muscle and it's so nice. Yeah, no, it's a great feeling. I keep telling everyone like I have an ab and my boyfriend was like, no, honey, everyone has abs. They're just (laughs) underneath. Like you just have to, it's not like you're, they're there. Yeah. yeah. There's just like a layer on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, can we talk about your overall style and look? Because I think I'm going to try to like classify it. I don't know. I don't know if I'm having the exact right terminology, but I feel like your style is very like, it's very like high end. It's, it's like the Chanel bag, but with the very basic outfit. So I live in leggings. Yes. I live in okay. leggings. Okay. I was going to say basic meets chic, but I don't want you to be offended by oh. me saying basic. Oh my God. No, basic. I love the word basic. Okay. Because like <laughs> I live in basics. Like I don't mind that word at all. Yes. Like, I live in fucking basics. Yeah. Um, I always, well, so in LA, my style's a little bit different because everything there is so relaxed that yes. even... Um, like even Soho House, they think if you come in a full, I mean, they don't do it all the time, but during my interview session, they were like, if someone comes from an event in, in a, a full suit, suit yeah, we they're make like, them get take the jacket here. off. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's such a different town yeah. that I realized when I dressed up like this for dinner, I looked weird. Like everything was like <laughs> too much. LA's so casual. Well, you should see when I come back here, I pack bags and like my bags are filled with like fur and python. Because like, like, I'm like, yes, I can yeah. finally get dressed. Um, but no, my daily uniform, no matter how much stuff I end up investing in, is leggings, Air Force Ones. <laughs> Amazing. And probably some sort of vintage tee. And then must have a Chanel bag. Yeah. Your bag <laughs> game is crazy. Like, I feel like you have, like, the most gorgeous bags. I really make an effort to, like, pick them well. And also, I, I heard Chanel's going into e-commerce soon, oh, really? which would bring their company up a lot. And I also know they go up 10% every year. So I actually yes. have a very good relationship with the real, real. And I love the real, real. It's I've, fantastic. You mean relationship? Like you actually like know them? I, well, I've just been using them for so long that yeah. now it's just like second nature. Oh, did I you just hit their like benchmark for like, if you sell over $75,000 worth, you get, I got, I did not sell that much, but I'm now at like the 80, 20, which oh, is so amazing. great. It's just great. So and jealous. I got so used to it and I, I'm such a hoarder and I love collecting things, but eventually <laughs> I was like, I did it one time and I was like, I got to just clean out the closet. Yeah. We should and explain, we should explain it, what the real, real oh, is. Yes. The Real Real is the most amazing website. It is a consignment-based website. All designer. All designer. Fabulous. Des- like you can get Tom Ford, Stella McCartney. I mean- and you can get vintage to brand new. Like yeah. I just, I bought a pair of uh, Givenchy boots like two months ago. Took my picture in them like I had to. <laughs> I just had to. And then I realized I was going to break my ankle. And they sell your stuff for a fantastic price. And the best part about it is I've never used eBay uh, I didn't have a PayPal account and I just never got around to selling stuff that I could right, sell because right. it was a yeah, hassle. Yeah. They, they come just, to you, exactly. they pick it up, yeah. they do the whole thing. They put it you online. You have an online account. Once a month I get a check, whether that check is... Oh, I don't even do a check. I just do site credit so I can just continue the cycle. Oh, see, that's great. Yeah. That's a good one, too. I mean, it's like, it's kind of defeats the purpose because you're like selling stuff to well, buy more stuff. Well, but I'm always but... using that money to buy stuff anyway. anyway I mean, yeah. I sold... The first thing I ever sold was a pair of Celine sneakers, and I got less than I thought I was going to get for them. And then I realized, you know what? If you're not wearing it, it's $200 worth nothing. Yeah. In my in my wallet is better to go towards sneakers I'll wear. You know, it's exactly. like, so it just makes sense. Exactly. And they're just a great company. They pick up everything. They package everything. You're on a monthly thing where sometimes I get $10, sometimes I get 2000 but it's all yeah. taken care of. Yeah. It's just I'm, a brilliant I'm concept. I'm obsessed. And I was a shopper for a long time before I ever sold anything. But I think clearing out your closet is so important. And I used to so be good. like, oh, like they're not really giving me this much. But if you're not wearing it, it has zero value. Zero. The value is zero, zero if you're not using it. So you might as well just sell it. No, I have like a rule with myself. I clean out my closet quite often. And I have a rule with myself, which is, well, first of all, since losing weight, my rule is I used to like be like, oh, but I love those pants. They're a little big. The second I I yeah. am too small for a pair of pants. I sell them because yeah. I'm not trying to let myself ever have the motivation <laughs> to like be like, oh, but I'm those fit me when back. I'm fat. You know, yeah. it's like, no. Um, but more than that, it's like, 
it's so important, especially where, you know, we're girls. So we could have five things in our closet or we could have 500 and we still think we have nothing to wear. So and the more you add it out in your closet, it more becomes a boutique for just you. Mm-hmm. I always think about how when I travel and I have a suitcase with like 10 things in it, it's so easy to get dressed in the morning because... They're just a few options. Well, I mean, people always say, like, how did you deal with a uniform? And I'm like, it was let the me best. tell you, it was the best fucking thing ever. It was the best. I, I wish I had a uniform think. now. Yeah, like, it was great. Like, yeah. dress code at Dwight was just horrific because What it's was like, the dress code at Dwight? Well, it's like, you know, um, you can wear a polo if it's the Dwight polo. Otherwise, you have to wear a button down. And then you can wear pants, but they can't be denim, which back at 17 I have to say there were not very many good trouser options because the trouser like wasn't really like in then so like now I wear velvet corduroy like I love those things but back then I would just literally get detention every day because I was like I don't know what to wear you know like besides this and men have to wear ties and Dress code is to keep things together, but honestly, it's like... You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Everyone's in different colors anyway. It's just so silly. I, I just missed the fact that everyone was like white shirt, skirt. That's yeah, what you're wearing. It was great. Uniform. I never had to think about it. Plus, the second I had a dress code was also the second I first entered a co-ed school. Oh, so I'm just, you know, all the girls in there aren't wearing makeup. They've been around boys their whole yeah. life. And I'm just like panicking. I was like, I got to look perfect at oh all gosh. times. You know, can't even imagine. Just, I feel like it'd be so distracting to go to school with boys. It is and it isn't. Dwight was... A wild school to go to. I mean, it was really, there were many aspects just beyond just boys that were just so crazy. Oh my gosh, yeah. If any of you aren't aware, Dwight is also known as dumb white idiots getting high together. Yeah, who are some famous Dwight alums? I know Reed was there. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, Truman Capote, who failed English. He went to Dwight? I did not know that. Interesting. And uh, Vin Diesel. Wow. Mm. The New York City private school scene is... So like we it, had Gwyneth Paltrow at our At Spence, Spence yeah. yeah. And Kerry Washington, who I think is like oh, even cooler. much cooler. Yeah. Much cooler. Yeah, Gwyneth kind of bothers me. Yeah. I know. People really hate on Gwyneth. I get it, though. I don't hate on her. I actually like Goop a lot, so I'm actually mm-hmm. more into her now. I just think it was... I, I You know what it is? It's just when people have such simplistic style... And then everyone gives them these high praises. Yes, yes. And that's what bothers me. It's like yeah. she gets more credit like, than she like deserves. It's like the 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 button down and and the jeans and the flats and the blazer. I do it all the time, right. and I'm not like told I'm a fashion guru. Right. It's like that's yeah. the part that drives me yeah. nuts. It's like credit where credits deserved. Yes, yeah. Goop's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> she gets a lot of praise for her like style and her looks, and I'm just like I don't oh really get God, it. I yeah, see yeah. It. Talk to me about all of your amazing tattoos. Oh my god! I How many do you many. have? I've lost count. Okay. I think probably around sixty. Oh my gosh! I'm really covered. Um, the first one I got was on the back. My father always said, "Thy body's thy temple," so I knew he would literally kill me if I got a tattoo. And I figured I'll just get the first one for him, okay. and then maybe he won't just okay. Hate me. Oh, I like that thinking. So my godfather. Um, in his eulogy, at the end, it said, you'll always walk in the fields of my mind. So that's the first one I got. Mm. And um, I grew up on a lot of Shakespeare. That was a big thing in my family. Uh, and so this arm is covered in Shakespeare quotes. I have from The Tempest, this thing of darkness, I acknowledge mine. Um, and from Hamlet, uh, 
though this be madness, yet there be method in it. And of all base passions, fear is the most accursed. Wow, you've got some deep so I quotes. Love those ones. And then I recently, most recently, got this one, which is um, it says, "For sale, baby shoes never worn." And it's a great story behind it. Hemingway was at the Algonquin. This is how the story goes, and they they've not been able to disprove it or prove it, but. Um, I guess he was at the Algonquin amongst a group of people, and he said, uh, I bet everyone at the table throw in $10. I bet I can write a novel with six words. Mm. And so they were like, there's no way. And he said that was his novel, For Sale, Baby Shoes, Never, Never Worn. And it a had full a full story behind it, and it's the most incredible six words I think that there are. And he left with the pot that night. And <laughs> I just think it's such a fun story and also just so touching. It just shows how, I mean, I'm a writer. So for me, the idea that you know we're given this gift of language and with such um, a concise expression you can tell the story of an entire life of course for your tattoos Mm -hmm. i have heard from people that like you can't just get two like oh you're fucked no like you're totally in once you open up a whole pandora's box and then you're like deep in it so Mm -hmm. did you feel like a compulsion immediately like once you got one like i need another and another and another well i will say that that is very true and mostly true among sober people because once they're sober it's like what else do you interesting you'll find a lot of people who were sober or have been or are, who have absurd spiritual tattoos because they think, you know, they've, they've just become spiritual. Like Yes, yeah. So did your sobriety coincide with you getting the tattoos? I got them in sobriety because I was like, I didn't have anything to do. And I was like, you know what? I'm so proud of myself. I'll do it. So I got a few of them in sobriety. Um, and that's when I'll say I really kind of felt that urge to get them often. But that died down, and then in the years to follow, I have gotten a lot. However, I never, I do, I'm very, um, I'm like this with my writing. I'm spur of the moment. It would seem like it's unplanned, but I've never gotten one not sober. And even if it's spur of the moment, I, I tend to, I've never regretted one. I, I tend to really yeah, know what I, mean, I want. I got two Basquiat tattoos in the last year, which I'm really in gosh, love that's with. That's cool. And... This is one of them. It says uh, Sangro Song, and it's from um, one of his most famous paintings called In Italian. Sangro, he left out. Sangro was how you would say blood in Latin, mm-hmm. I believe. And this is uh, the crossed out one is how you would say it in Italian. And I think his purpose, because most of his work had to do with racial divide, I think the purpose of that was to make it clear that in a time way before our modern language, blood was blood and blood is Mm. blood. And it doesn't matter what your color is because we all bleed the exact same color. Mm. And I think that, you know, by crossing out the more modern version of the word, that Mm. was his way of saying... Rejecting the modern notion of race. I mean, I've never... That's what I take from it. I'm a huge Basquiat fan, so I should probably read more up on that. There probably are other <laughs> theories, but to me, that's how that oh stood gosh. out. So, I mean, Esme, you're so smart, and I'm just imagining. I would imagine that in LA, a guy comes and approaches you, like you're like a hot blonde, like bust, like you're like the cute girl. And then when they start talking to you, they must just be like, "Oh shit!" Like <laughs> I'm at, you know? Do you ever feel like? And I know that LA is not necessarily known for having the most intellectual cultural um I feel I surprise people yes do you feel that and do you ever feel like you have to almost dumb it down um you know I don't feel that way because I honestly think that I got to a point in LA where I was just like take it or leave it you know it's um I will always have an opinion on things I I will always read the newspaper. I, I watch CNN two hours a day. And, you know, I just can't, I can't cut the bullshit with people anymore. It's yeah. just like too much for me to try to fake it. But I will say in the, my first few years in LA, I definitely had to learn to not be as outspoken and stay a little quieter. Yeah. And I, I can't remember necessarily dumbing myself down, but definitely learning to Accept. sit back and listen yes, a little bit more. Sure. And realize that like it might be a little overwhelming that I come from such a culture-based city. Right, you know, right. We really grew up around it. Whether 
Yeah. Whether you had money or not, you grew up in a a real culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that LA is all, you know, namaste and relax and chill and good vibes only. And like, I'm going to my crystal energy healer and, you know, like the sun and the moon are aligned this Mm -hmm. way. So this is my mood. It's like a lot of like spiritual, like crap, which as a New Yorker, like you're like, you just reject. But I actually have learned to be a little bit more open to that and realize that, I mean, clearly they're doing something right in LA. Like every time I go there, I'm like, everyone here is happy and relaxed and like smiling. And so maybe what is, I feel like New Yorkers will wear stress as a badge. Like I'm so stressed. I'm so busy. Right. Almost as like something to be proud of. That's very true. Actually, it's a really good way of putting it. I think it's so true. Um, You know, I have to say, since I've come to LA, I'm a crystal person, but I'm also not, but I'm also (laughs) like not not a crazy crystal person. Wait, can you you tell me about the crystals? Because I think they're pretty, but I don't, I know they have like healing powers. I really think they're pretty. Yeah, I got into crystals a while ago simply because I really love the way they look. I think they're beautiful. Yeah, I think they're gorgeous. And I think my view on everything in life is if you affirm something to yourself, then you motivate yourself. Now, whether belief and and the laws of attraction are the power of everything, if you sleep next to a crystal and you think that that is going to work for you, then it will. Then it will. And I've done crystal healings and crystal grids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can't say I left feeling much different, but I do think they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love them around. I know that... There are certain things that are such old old science, you know, for lack of a better term, that how can I argue with them? I don't That's know. True. Yeah. Um, and it's like nature's energy. Exactly. And it's really beautiful. And, you know, I even believe, like, if you are sitting down every night to pray, for instance, even if the person you are praying to doesn't exist, and even if mm-hmm. really we're in a world where, let's say, praying to Jesus Christ doesn't exist... The actual affirmation of of verbalizing those prayers is more important to your own psyche to get them answered because whether or not someone's listening to you, you're sitting down and you're affirming what you need and desire. And so I really think everything is like, you know, if you, if you throw yourself into the belief without becoming really fucking crazy. Like a lot of the people, like for instance, Mercury in retrograde, every time I've heard that, I've been in a great period of my life. So I'm like, everyone's, <laughs> like, everyone's like, Mercury's in retrograde. And I'm like, well, then maybe I'm a weirdo. Cause like Mercury <laughs> in retrograde is working out great for me. What about, one of the things that I notice also about LA is how much women have work done. And I'm actually not opposed to work. Mm-hmm. I actually have talked very openly on this yeah. podcast about my obsession with Restylane. I did oh, Restylane under I my eyes. Everything. Oh, wait, you do stuff? Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, we have to talk about it. Because okay. I got Restylane like a year ago, and I have not gotten it since. I got it under my eyes. It was like $600 for one syringe. And all I'm waiting for is like, let me just like save up so I can justify getting this again. It's great. So, so you do fillers, and you do the whole thing. Can you tell me what you do? Yes. So I, um, it's so funny, my my... I come, my mother has never put a needle in her face in her life. Like I come from a family that this is not right. a thing. Um, I had, believe it or not, such incredibly bad frown lines at 22 because okay. I had just been like, I literally was in a bad mood for like 22 <laughs> years, I think. Um, I went to this doctor with a friend of mine and she was getting something done. She's in her 30s. And I said, do you think I could? Because I know it's preventative and all that stuff. And he looked at me and he was like, you need it. And this Whoa. has been my doctor for years. And he's actually very um, conservative. But yeah, no, I got, um, I used to get something called Dysport, which is a much oh, yeah, slower. I've heard of that. It's like Botox, but it's a slower and much lighter chemical. Okay. And where would you get it put? I got it put here. On your forehead? On my forehead. And then I also have it put slightly under my eyebrows. Ooh, like to raise the brow To bone. raise them a little bit. Um, and I've been doing that for... That I only do every, like, you know, maybe twice a year or something. Okay. Um, because I found that actually it is preventative in the sense that I've needed it less and less. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Listen... We don't know the science behind this. We don't know. Like everyone says it's preventative, but in yeah. fact, because there's no enough time to test that, that might not be true. And as as far as I'm concerned, Kylie Jenner's face might just fall off <laughs> at one point. You know, there's just so much shit in it. It just might fall. I know. And she's been but, doing it since she was so young. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know. You but know. a lot of girls in L.A. look, I mean, 
it, it's it's almost become the norm well, in the a norm strange way where to everyone have huge lips to yeah. have these like and so I'm gonna have Brooke touch my nose right now. I wish you guys could see. <laughs> I had basically when I was younger, I didn't have a hook nose, but I had a slight indentation here, which okay. made it look like a you know where you put your glasses. Yep, like kind yep, of right yep, there. yep. My mom has it too, and it was something that bothered me, but probably not anyone mm-hmm. else. I'm terrified of surgery. I would never get a cosmetic surgery. It's just too scary to me. And honestly, the idea of waking up and looking in the mirror and being someone else is terrifying to me. I mean, and I totally get if you really need to change something. I was not that drastically concerned. So I got Restylane here and it has made my nose straight. You can actually feel. Let me see. Here, just pinch this. That's not bad. Oh my gosh. And look from the side, and then I have it here at the tip of my nose, so it creates the illusion. Wow. It's just all an illusion. And I basically get to do it once a year, just a little bit. That's amazing. And it's like I've gotten my nose straightened without having them break it and put a whole new thing in, you know? Interesting. So there are some like fun tricks that I really think are, are. not that yeah. sinful, you know. Oh my gosh, I think I'm like trying I, when to get I see more young, into it. When I see young girls going and doing their cheeks and things like that, I get very nervous. Cheeks, it's like, what do you do to your cheeks? I, I think a lot of people, you know, older women like to fill their cheeks because they become gaunt, but now a I lot of gaunt young women... gaunt kind of looks cool. I love gaunt, and I <laughs> right? think like, it's really like sexy. This, uh, yeah. I think, in, you know, my mom's never done any of this, so I see her and I think, oh, you look so great. You look yeah. really like you aged gracefully. And, right. But... Um, but I do understand why some women would feel the need to add some more fat to their face. But when you see sure. these young girls doing it, like like Kylie Jenner, like having you know these big puffy like cheeks, I just get so nervous that come thirty three, you've had so much stuff injected. Where does it go? I know it dissipates at some point, yeah. but it's like, is it going to make it like that? Seems so like heavy in your skin. Like the idea is to me, it's like it's supposed to pull it up. But you're still adding like a ton of liquid into your skin. Yeah. Oof. It's a strange concept. It is. And then I've had my lips done. Ooh, we're just going to reel on a sun here. If anyone wants to date after this, like, please <laughs> let me know. Um, Wait, so you did Restylane for your lips or? The first thing I ever did was Juvederm. Juvederm, okay. And I noticed that about after two weeks, it had gone back completely to normal. Right. And so I, and when you first get your lips done, um, they really blow up because they really have to cover all right. areas versus now I get maybe like one or two. And how often do you have to do it? I don't. Now it's come to a point where I think I've reached kind of where I want to be. So yeah. I'll do maintenance once a year. Once a year. Maybe like just a few injections. But yeah, I did Juvederm. I think that I the chemical didn't take to me. Okay. So then I did Juvederm Plus for a few years, and now I'm on a product called Silk, oh, which yeah, is fantastic. It's very soft. You can even feel like my top lip is almost oh, yes. like you wouldn't really As- Esme's lips know. are pillowy soft, <laughs> and they look very natural. And yeah, Silk I love, and they put it in laugh lines too. Wow. And any place that you want I, something Honestly, soft, like I, my mind is blown right now, like... It looks all so natural and good. I think I've always been put off by the cost, but I think the it's... The cost is... It's, it's worth it in the sense that, like, you first of all, you have to find a doctor that will save your syringe. So my silk syringe is very expensive, but I'll use it in three goes. So then when I kind of deal with mm-hmm. that, it's like, okay, $400 a time. Yeah. In reality, that's, you know, two haircuts and it lasts more person. You know, like, sure. It's like... To me, it's like, but my doctor will save the syringe for me, which yeah. is great. Do you ever worry that you'll lose perspective in terms of, right? Because we can fix anything. We can look in the mirror right. and say, okay, I want to raise this. I want to plump right. this. I want to fill this in. Do you ever worry that over time you could lose perspective and then start doing things that would make you look unnatural? I think that the, I don't think I'm as concerned because I think that the times when that happens, those are the people that are so maybe scared that all they have to offer is their looks. Mm -hmm. That those are, you know, it's like you find all these models who were so beautiful and they refused 
to age. They refuse to give that up versus I have a lot more things important to me. I like to look a certain way, but by no means do I obsess. And and I do think it really, the women that you see that have that happen to tend to be the women who don't have careers, who base everything off looks, and they cannot handle aging. And so what they do is they decide to age in what they think is the most graceful way and it ends up looking just horrific. Graceful, a.k.a. holding on to youth for totally. dear life. I mean, for dear life. And also what I'll say about, I do think it is preventative in the sense that in the last couple of years since getting my first round of um, injections in my forehead, I do it much less often. Yeah. And I think that when women are getting it at like 50 who haven't done it, I think that's when it starts to look fake. You know, I think almost starting young and doing it very slowly and getting in with a good doctor, if you do want to do it, is the way to go because Interesting. that's when women look frozen, you know? And it's like, I think they look, fr- I think those women look frozen because they're dealing with attacking 90 wrinkles versus maybe like a few. A few. Interesting. Amy Schumer did a stand-up, and I'm going to misquote her right now, but it was something along the lines of how when she moved to L.A., she was all of a sudden just kind of blown away because she said, I think it was something like, she was like, when you're in L.A., you realize that every girl you meet was someone from like Bumblefuck, where they were like, Pamela, you're too pretty to be here. (laughs) So true. Go to L.A. So you're just surrounded by these like beautiful people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does it ever make you feel insecure? The beauty of people in L.A.? To a certain extent, I definitely, when I gained a lot of weight, it did. Um, But then again... Another weird thing about LA is there are very well-known prostitutes that are like part of social circles. What? Oh yeah, it's something that's so different here. I like call, like 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 call girls that are really well-known and that are completely okay with society. I and there are ones that are amongst friend groups of mine, and it's just very strange. But you know what? I guess to be fair, we have so we assign so much judgment around women who sleep with men for money, but some women. Do it indirectly, and mm-hmm. these they're getting a check, and I'm sure they're making, you know, it, as long as they're okay with it morally, That's the thing. who are it's we like, to judge? I, I had sexual trauma when I was, I got raped when I was 17. Oh, my gosh. So I didn't I know that. I'm never, so sorry. Oh, no, it's, it's fine, because I've really grown from it. And so for me, um, the idea of sleeping with someone, and even I think before this, before that happened, the idea of sleeping with someone who I didn't want to sleep with. I mean, even the idea of kissing, it was so appalling to me. But I can't judge people based on their hard wiring. Maybe some people that doesn't bother so much. I also think, though, that very often it becomes an addiction. It becomes like, I don't really want to do it. I don't really want to do it. You do it once. You receive that Birkin. And, and, you know, and a lot of people have never taken, and it's like, okay, you know what? I can close my eyes and do it again. And I think that's what's happened. So my heart goes out to these girls and I have no judgment, but it's just a very different thing out there. It's kind of socially acceptable. I mean, they even said Demi Moore and Sharon Stone were both really well known for that, you know? Okay. Tell me the top three. Okay. Do you want to start with the three beauty trends that you hate and like want to see go away forever or your favorite beauty products of all time? Okay, so I'm very bad with trends. I had to look some up today, actually, okay. <laughs> um, because I just don't know what to call them. Yeah. So I'm going to say that as much as I kind of enjoy them on the runway or enjoy them in because um, they're fun and they're glittery, I, I can't, the bedazzled boots and stuff, oh I don't, gosh. they've got to go. I just... Why is everything so shiny and it's sparkly just now? It's so aggressive. Like, we're not at Studio 54. <laughs> I just... It's so aggressive. And like, yes, there's a part of me that wants the YSL boots. And then when I saw that they were $10,000, I literally was like, okay, so maybe some of this is from jealousy, yeah. but I can't have them, maybe. <laughs> but at the same time, If they pop like, up on the real reel, oh, will yeah, you buy exactly. them? No, I think I'm, I think I'm yeah. past it. I just, and I, I just, yeah, the glitter, I've never been a glitter person. Yeah. But, and also I feel like there's like the glitter trend plus that app that everyone uses with like the sparkle effect. The combination okay, girls, of the two. Girls using filters is my my worst thing. Don't like I'll do a stupid filter maybe once in a while, but if you are posting not on your story but on your Instagram yeah. puppy ears, this has got to stop. Oh girls. my gosh, like the Snapchat filters. It's like let me tell you something, guys. Think you are an idiot. Yeah. Oh, that yes. guys hate it. Yeah. The the dog ears, the I bunny mean, it's ears. It's just like yeah, it's lame. It's, it's so lame. It's not a good it's look. So lame. 
Um, what I do really like is I like that I know it's being called power red. I was told that today, but I like the red that's on the runway because I'm mm. a big red girl. I love red too. And I love an orangey red. Me too. Like I don't like a blue red and I just think it's such a great color. Yeah, it is. So I'm super happy about that. And Victorian collars. Ooh, I really like am a nice liking high collar. this. Yeah. And I've also gotten a lot of velvet, which I normally am not mm. super into. And I just, I love it. I'm very into that recently. Velvet's nice. Um, the jeans that I think are sort of on their way out that aren't, I don't know how to, how do I describe them? I have a lot of like frayed skinny jeans, but the ones that kind of bell out at your mid. Oh, like the cropped and flared. Cropped and flared. I, unless it's We've a had trouser yeah. and a trouser can be so beautiful yeah. and it's, you know, if it's like a beautiful like orange crap, go for it. But, yeah. but the jean, the jeans got to go. It's just yeah. too much. And it's also like. Jeans should always remain somewhat classic, and yeah. it's okay to wear them. But when every single other person on the streets wearing them, them, you got it's, it's got to yeah, stop. It's too much. It's, it's, it's too just much. silly. I agree. Tell me the tell products me that I love yes. right now are Natura Bisse, okay. uh, the Diamond line. It's very expensive, unfortunately, oh. but it does last. And you know what I think? Sometimes when you see a cream and it says over $100, you're like, you know, that's crazy. But when you think about it, you're buying jeans for over $100. Every time you use it, I try to deduct like that. If I'm going to use the cream yeah, 50 cost, times cost per this year, use, yeah. then it's not that bad. Peter Thomas Roth, anything. Yeah. Um, especially, not sure what they're exactly called, but the acne clearing dots. Oh. I mean, I really look like a Liechtenstein when I got on a plane. Like, I just cover myself. They're amazing. Amazing, amazing. And... One more product that I'm really obsessed. What makeup products do you use? I feel like your um, skin looks I very use, flawless. Oh, I have so much makeup on. I use um, Shishido. Uh, mm. Is it Shishido? Shishido. Shishido. Yeah. Shishido um, concealer and this uh, Kevin O'Conn. Oh yes, Kevin Aquan, I think. Aquan, yeah. yeah, I just I just literally went to I didn't go to Sephora the other day. I had to go get some stuff and I went to my normal beauty store and they only have a small section of Yeah. And the guy was like, Oh, I'm not working for them, I swear, I'm just like pushing his Kevin Aquan is amazing. It is amazing. It's all I have on my face right now. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. I use all of the Kevin Aquan concealers and I'm obsessed with them because they have such good coverage. I'm I well, you have to have the primer in the little. Squeezing. I don't have the primer. Okay. There is like a circular. Um, it looks like a moisturizer, and you like pinch it down to get the stuff to yeah. come out. And basically, you take the concealer, you add it to the primer, mush it around, and it becomes foundation. And it is oh, just that's amazing brilliant. because I have very oily skin, so I need a mattifying primer. Mm. Okay. And yeah, that and I was born without eyebrows, like literally. So I paint these on. I did. Um, What's it called? The eyebrow tattooing thing. Okay, so I got to go to your place. Yeah, it's like a game, but it's a game changer because I'm also was I was born without eyebrows. My eyebrows like stop here. It's like Um, microblading. It's called. I don't know. I'm blanking on it. Well, actually, it was like so great. Thank you. I know a lot of people that I would be like, eh, but no. Okay, it's a game changer. Do microblading? It's I can't recommend it. I'm going to do it because it's just the one thing I had. I did used to do fake lashes and I had the, I literally pulled them out every fake time. Lashes, it's a spiral. It's an every time. spiral. And every time I would, I would, it was like almost like euphoric recall. Like I would literally be like, Oh, they weren't that bad. Yeah, you get and them I would again. do it again. Yeah. And then I'd realize I'm, I exfoliate every day. So I need to scr- like, I yeah. need to oh, be I know. able to I know. scrub my yeah. face. I can't stand not being able to. And every time I have no patience, I pull them all out and, and they look like a fish. And it also damages your own eyelashes. Yeah. The Kevin O'Conn, it's actually what I'm wearing right now. And I think it has added so much body to my it's lashes. Mis- it's mascara. Great. It looks yeah. really good. It's just like, a, I mean, I use it every day and I feel like it looks like I have fake lashes on. Yeah, no, it looks really good. And you have bottom lashes, which I'm so jealous about. I like, I was like born hairless. Like I don't oh, have. Oh my God, I didn't have my, I didn't have an armpit hair growing until I was 17. Yeah, like I don't. I like don't grow hair, and some no, people are either. people are like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous," and I'm like, "Yeah, but like I also don't have eyebrows, and I right. also don't have like yeah, thick lashes." Yeah, people are like, "Oh, it's so nice you don't," because I shave every day because I'm like anal retentive, but like I don't need to at all. Like I shave my arms, I shave my legs, and people are always like, "You're so lucky," and I'm like, "But wait, like the places I want, like the right. lashes, the the hair growth takes a long time, like, right? Yeah, everything." Okay, last question. Yes. When do you feel most beautiful? When do I feel most beautiful? I feel most... I have a lot of 
anxiety and insecurity. So I have to say, I feel most beautiful on a day I feel confident. Hmm. It's it really has nothing to do with my looks. I mean, of course, I need to really conceal my pimples and stuff like that. But it's, I think it's the days that I just feel my best, and I feel like I have something to offer, and I feel like I'm, because there I'm very you know I'm I'm a weird artist. There are days I'm really quiet, I'm very moody. But like even tonight, like. I could have come in sweatpants and I feel so confident and happy yeah. to be here that those are the days. Like I think confidence, Lil Wayne said confidence is a stain you can't wipe off. And I'm really a true believer of that. Oh I think gosh. confidence is the best thing you can wear. Totally. Okay. We're going to end on that Lil Wayne quote. Amazing. Thank you so much Esme for coming. Thank to you for inviting you. me. You'll have to come back so we can talk more. I feel and like I this- have to just end this also by saying that when I, when Brooke came to Spence, I was younger than her, and she literally was, I think, my biggest girl crush. Like, I was too scared to even go up to you in the hallway, and I was just like, this girl, if she doesn't work at Vogue now, she's going to. I mean, she literally (laughs) was the most, you just never have seen a more perfectly dressed person in your entire life. It was just amazing. I'm, like, so honored to be your day. I called my boyfriend, and I was like, my girl crush actually wants to talk to me. (laughs) That's so sweet. All right, well, thank you so much for coming. I appreciate it. We'll have to do it again. Why is it so hard to accept the party is over? You can with your new friends and her mom jeans and her new friends and she's perfect and I hate it. Oh, so glad you made it. I'm so glad you could come back. Somebody get the tacos. Somebody buy. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 